Welcome to the Growing Family Podcast. We're a family of four discovering what it means to grow our family and our farm, one season, one seed, and one animal at a time. Get ready to grow with us. Today we're talking about pediatric herbalism. So we are here with um, Karen Burr from Materia Medica, and we are so excited to have our first guest speaker on the podcast. Thank you for being here, Karen. Oh, this is going to be fun. (laughs) And we're really excited about the topic, pediatric herbalism, especially with having um, a son and we're about to have our daughter. So this is very relevant for us as parents, too. So we have some questions. Um, First... Do you want to tell us more about your background and how, you know, people can get to know you a little bit better? Yeah. So I started out 19 years ago as a, um, more of a holistic esthetician. And I knew that there was so much more to helping heal skin conditions than just something topical. Yeah. Oh, that's the, a struggle is real still today with people still thinking everything is topical. So I ended up going back to school at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition so that I could become a holistic health practitioner and really deep dive into understanding how the human body works and learning over a hundred different dietary theories and picking them apart. You know, so what's good about this, what's not good about that, and then trying them. So, because in order to really know what you're doing, you have to have done it, you know, and so I, I graduated from there with um, more of an emphasis in gut health, which is like all the big buzzwords. And I was doing that like 10 years ago, you know, but I love that we're still doing it and we just keep going with it. And really, we're never going to stop because we're never going to know it all. So all the new advances are amazing. But then um, working with regenerative farmers was what I started doing. So I started going to local farmers markets, meeting all different types of local farmers and saying, hey, I'm a new grad at the Institute of Integrative (laughs) Nutrition and I'm helping, you know, save the world from factory farms. So can I come to your farm and then tell everybody about it? Yeah, yeah. So that's how I built my my relationships Mm -hmm. with local farmers throughout Indiana. And then they just became like family and then started working with my clients that way. When they'd come in with eczema or psoriasis or acne and hormonal issues still at this time I was learning you know teaching them how to eat nutrient-dense foods and get Mm. out of your grocery stores right so that was that and then I got kind of bored and was (laughs) like okay I I need to do something different right so that's when I found the chestnut school of herbal medicine out in the Appalachian Mountains down in the Asheville area oh wow yeah so I went to a school there and it was part of it was here where I was able to do part of it online and the other part was there. So getting to learn how to forage out in the mountains Mm -hmm. and, you know, with that school, half of that school was, you know, like your basic herbal medicine making like tinctures and teas and salves and, you know, honeys and vinegars. And then the other half was all skincare. So being able back to the beginning, back to the beginning, (laughs) ancient ways, you know, (laughs) And I just fell in love with it. And then from that point on, I've now graduated six different herbal programs, some um, more Southern folk medicine, okay. um, a lot of wild food nutrition, which blows my mind. I can't wait till we really get there, full mm-hmm. spectrum. You know, a plantain leaf blows kale out of the water, and I don't care what soil it's grown in. <laughs> you know, but um, 
just being able to graduate different herbal schools, continue that education that way. In that way, I have more Southern folk um, medicine in my background and also clinical because okay. you have to have both when you have a clinical practice. Would that be like, like Southwest or, <clears throat> excuse me, South, like Eastern folk? You said it's like Southwest. Or... Southern is more of like your Alabama. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Down in Alabama, the Appalachians. Mm-hmm. That is more your, like, think mountain people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Where, you know, when they had any type of virus or infections, they weren't running to a hospital right. or a doctor because they didn't usually have access to that. But they already had that innate understanding of what the innate immune system mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. and how it works, what disrupts it, what builds it. It was yeah. just a knowing. They knew how to work with the trees. They knew use this bark, but not the leaf. Mm-hmm. They knew how to work with the plants. They knew what plant you would use in a microdose or what plant you wouldn't. Right. You know, so it's getting back to those ancient ways of doing things and Yes, I work with clinical herbs, and I do have a clinical setting, but I do things more southern. Yeah. So, absolutely, yeah, I like I herbalism to be like more like um, I guess so like Southwest medicine would be a very different kind of medicine just because it's a different biome. Like, there's a lot of different plants in like the Southwest or the the mountains of the West rather than like the Appalachian Mountains or like the biomes that we deal with here in Indiana. Um, just like more forested situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's beautiful medicine that grows in every demographic. Mm-hmm. So it's really, I always like to, you know, in the Southwest, we have a beautiful herb called chaparral. And chaparral is that powerhouse for any type of bacterial topical infection, right? Okay. You know, but here it doesn't grow there. So I look at these plants that grow in different demographics, but I'm really, um, bizarre in the way I like to work with my plant medicine. So I like to harvest, know where it's growing. If I'm not growing it, then I forage it. And I will look at, well, what do we have in our demographic that mm-hmm. would be like that? You yeah. Know? Trying to draw those so, connections. Well, we have our Japanese barberry. Yeah. You know, we have all of those beautiful plants there. So I look at, well, what do I have here that would be like what's over there? Mm-hmm. So absolutely. And so how did you get into the pediatric side of all of this? Building the apot. Well, you know, when you're a holistic health practitioner, you know, I work with all ages. So at the apothecary, I have a, an entire line for pregnancy, post-birth, infants, kids, wow. based on whatever, is, what, what ailment it is, or just nutrition-wise. You know, like, do you, did you guys ever use gripe water? Oh, people told us about it, yeah. Yeah. We tried it, like, one time. So when you look at something like gripe water, the ingredients are intended to be beautiful, but it's mass-produced, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's on a shelf with sodium benzenates and potassium sorbates. And I don't want to put that in my kid. Mm -hmm. So I grow my own plants for gripe water for my apothecary, you know, and then I teach the moms... You're just literally going to make a tea out of this and give this to your baby in little droppers, you know? So I'm a purist about pretty much everything. (laughs) 
Yeah, and that can go with like teething and other things as well, mm-hmm. right? I make a teething tincture out of a plant called Spilanthes, if you've ever heard of it. Never heard of that. I either. like the name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's what a little... What kind of plant is it? Um, Spilanthes? Yeah, yeah. It's an amazing plant. Um, a lot of... Some people... It looks like... The flowers look like little eyes. <laughs> it's a unique plant. But I use Spilanthes for several different things. Topically, it's amazing for fungal infections. Mm-hmm. So it's great for that. Um, I use it in all my uh, mucous membrane support. So yeah. like if someone comes in with a really inflamed raw throat, I make sore throat sprays and spilanthes. So what is one of the most magical thing about that plant is that it numbs mucous membranes. Oh, wow. So it's numbing. But then it also supports immunity. So it like tells white blood cells, wake up, let's mm-hmm. go. Right? So... Like, I will pair echinacea root, leaf, and flower, like an extract of that, yeah. with spilanthes. Okay. Okay, because the two of them together are amazing. So you it's know? giving you that relief, but then also, like, boosting your immune system to be, like, ready to take on whatever's mm-hmm. going on in there. Yeah, it'll give the it'll give those pathogens a run for its money, that's for sure. Yeah. So there's just so much that we can when you understand the physiology of the body mm-hmm. and the chemistry of the plants, then you don't fear things. Yeah. When you know how to live closer to nature, like you were talking about ear infections. Okay. You know, there's so much the ear infections, sign mucous membrane infections. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, well we're gonna look at the symptom. And we're going to treat that symptom. But why do you have the ear infection in the first place? Mm-hmm. You know, is it structural? Mm-hmm. For ear infections with kids, I'm always hands down chiropractic. Mm-hmm. Always. Because it can be structural. Right? So yeah. I don't know if you guys have ever done that, but it's like the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> I, need, I need to. Yeah. It's amazing. So I'm always like, you know, if your kid's getting chronic ear infections or chronic sinus and mucous membrane yeah, infections, yeah. you know, in that area, then you've got to look at why. Yeah. You can't just keep treating the symptoms. You have to look at the why. And there's so many reasons as to why. Yeah. But yeah, making like old, old Southern folk <laughs> remedies for ear infections, like onion oil. That stuff's been used for years and centuries. Just yeah. roasted onion, you know, put into the... And then my mom always used sweet almond oil in my oh, ear. Wow. <laughs> but at the apothecary, I make ear oil blends for that because yeah. the eardrum is permeable, right? So when, even when you have an outer ear or inner ear, it doesn't matter because it's permeable. Mm-hmm. But then if you've got a lot of fluid in there, then you're going to use plants that are going to help dry up the fluid. Yeah. See what I mean? So you always have to look at the symptom as to what is going on to know what to use. (laughs) Yeah, because I think a lot of times people just focus on like, how do I fix what I'm feeling right now? And they're not thinking of like, what's the origin of that feeling? Like, where is it actually coming from originally and to like get to now and solve the problem? That way it doesn't become chronic. Mm -hmm. Well, and there's such a disconnect, you know, with... My son is almost 15, and I knew that I wanted him to be raised knowing both sides, mm-hmm. right? We have hospitals, and we have doctors for when we need them, right? You know, right. But I also wanted him to know that we don't run to them for every little thing, mm-hmm. you know? So, like I was saying, he's had one antibiotic his whole life, but he had strep in his abdomen. Ooh. 
And that could have killed him. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you don't mess with that. And so we put him on and his very first antibiotic, whole body broke out in a rash. Oh. Whole body broke out in a rash. I was able to keep him on it for a good three to four days before mm-hmm. the rash, but then I took him completely off. And then knowing what an antibiotic does do yeah. to our beneficial flora, we went no grains, no sugar, nothing. Yeah. And then I was pumping that kid full of probiotic rich foods, yeah. benefit, you know, inulin, root vegetables, you know, doing a lot of food combining mm-hmm. with like krauts and sourdoughs. Yeah, yeah. I even did a root based yeah. probiotic paired with root vegetables and inulin and prebiotic fibers that would they would feed off of each other. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. See what I mean? Yeah, so it's yeah. Like Steven's this amazing gardener. So it's really fun because <laughs> I can talk to him because I view people like I view soil. Yeah. We're really not that much different. We're really not. You give the soil what it needs and it's going to provide such beautiful health of these plants and we are no different than that. Exactly. Mm, I love that. So um, how would you then, like in your own words, define pediatric herbalism to someone who's like, I don't really even know what that is or how to get into it. Well, there are certain plants that, of course, you don't give to an infant or even a toddler. Like, even if it's an alcohol extract, mm-hmm. I won't give that to any uh, anyone under the age of three. I won't okay. do that. I do herbal teas. And it, it's not that it's going to hurt them, but think of this itty-bitty newborn baby, right? Everything is developing. And it's our job to just give it everything it needs to develop. So I don't want to put any type of an alcohol extract that an itty bitty baby liver and kidney still has to try to process. Right. So it's just extra strain that they just don't need. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I always do herbal teas with them, okay. with my infants and we do it in drops or we'll do it in like food for toddlers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really fun when you can mix up fun little herbs and put them in their food and let them eat them that way. Yeah. So it's, there's just so much that you can do, you know, Epsom salt baths with lavender, you know, Olson was three years old and he had a horrific fever Oh. and it got up to 104 and most people would freak. And I was like, I'm so happy that his fever is 104 right now Yeah. because I knew that he was fighting that virus. So I just put him in a lukewarm water with Epsom salts and lavender. That's all I did. Yeah. That's it. I didn't do, I didn't give him herbs. I didn't give him supplements. I did nothing. And that kid woke up like nothing was ever wrong. <laughs> you just kind of let his body do I what let his, his body, body do does. It. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when parents do freak out about fevers, I'll use stuff like elderflower yeah. and yarrow. You know, we can do that. But if they're under the age of three, we do it in a tea form. Okay. Yeah, yeah that was one thing. Um, when we first had Gideon that I was trying to look into like just like just beginning my journey into like herbalism or even understanding what that looked like um and it just seemed like alcohol tinctures were like the easy way to get what you're wanting out of an herb but then also like not wanting to give alcohol in you know even in a small form to him and so we kind of just defaulted to like just purchasing you know like we had talked about earlier um, like just teething drops mm-hmm. instead of making them. But at one point, I think I did, like I broke down the recipe because they're, mo- they're mostly pretty easy to understand. So I broke down the recipe and tried to make my own little yes. tea. Um, and we gave some to him, but I ended up just taking it myself. 
Yeah, there's just so much that you can do. So I have a, what I call like an immune support that I keep for three and up. And that blend is Wood Betony. If you've okay. heard of Betony, it's amazing for, for like, for acute pain. You know, mm -hmm. so like if they have a headache or some type of an ear infection or something, a virus that's creating pain, betony is wonderful for that. Mm -hmm. And then it has elderflower and yarrow in it. You know, elderflower and yarrow are amazing supports, mm -hmm. you know, for when that body is going through that state. They're vasodilators, so they're opening everything up. Mm -hmm. So that way the, that temperature can continue to rise safely. Okay. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I was going to ask, too, with, like, the recent, um, like, infant Tylenol shortage, a lot of people were looking for infant Tylenol and mm -hmm. was it on the shelves, um, and that was, like, all over the news. What is, like, an alternative? Like, you mentioned a little bit, but for someone who's, like, nervous about the fever, or, like, when, when should they start to worry or not worry, I guess? Um, I really wouldn't worry about a fever. It, d it would depend on the age, though, right? Mm -hmm. You know, is it a little bitty infant? Is it... You know, is this baby a few days old? Because there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, get that child to a hospital. There's something wrong. But if your baby just has, you know, the normal viruses, and I mean, like, I wouldn't really worry six months and up. But if it's an infant, I'm going to the hospital. There could be something terribly wrong, mm -hmm. you know. And But, yeah, no, I, would, I just use that blend when there's any type of a fever. And um, you told me about the Tylenol shortage, and I didn't even know because it's so far removed from my world. Yeah, yeah. But to be honest, I'm really okay with that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, yeah. when um, I don't like that drug yeah. at all. You know, there's way too many known side effects to that mm -hmm. when it comes to children and too many risks for... It's just so artificial. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just... And when we're putting anything in our body that is so artificial, especially... A, a child mm. that's mm. trying to grow and develop and then we're putting artificial stuff into them it just doesn't make any sense to me yeah yeah no i had no idea that that was even happening <laughs> i find it interesting yeah yeah it's, mm -hmm. it's been a, a big thing i think i've heard um on a few podcasts just like people like i know canada had a huge like short, national shortage and it was this big mm. thing when they brought it all in and then um, just like anecdotally, when we went to look just to find some, because we try to, we just try to have it on hand just in case we, you know, need something along those lines. And so just not seeing it on the shelf. Anytime you go to the store and you don't see something on the shelf that you're used to seeing there, it just makes you wonder what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so that was one thing that we just thought we'd yeah. see, so just just to kind of pick your brain about. Yeah. Um, well, and you, you know, also you got to look at it. You know, Gideon just had what hand, foot, and mouth, right? Yeah. So you look at why, like what what are the symptoms? Mm -hmm. Is the child irritable? Is there a headache? Is there pain? Is there flu-like symptoms? Mm -hmm. You know, you want to look to see how that child's feeling and then why. So for me, I'm an herbalist, so I'm going to look at the nervous system, mm. right? So that's where I like gripe water, not only just for GI upset, but the whole reason they work is because they're calming. Uh, they're yeah. calming nervines. So we have different classifications of nervines. We have stimulating, which would be like a coffee mm -hmm. is a stimulating nervine, chamomile, lavender those are very calming right they're like that hug of it's okay i've got you yeah, yeah you know and then we have more sedative based and i don't usually give those 
to toddlers. Right. Now I have kids that I would say, you know, six and up that have a lot of anxiety and I will formulate different types of more sedative based nervines for them when those these kids just have such crazy anxiety but there's also so many (laughs) underlying reasons for that so we're packing on Mm -hmm. traumas you know uh nutrient deficiencies like all kinds of things when it comes to that stuff but you know looking at i've i wish every parent hadn't had a medicinal like tea garden for their kids yeah i feel like every parent needs polanthes for (laughs) toothaches or my throat hurts or you know teething you know teething every parent needs a gripe water garden they need fennel they need lavender they need chamomile and they Mm -hmm. need catmint and that's what i put in my catnip but catmint too but you can but i put that in that's my formula and so that formula, what is it? To, it has essential oils. Mm-hmm. And what are those essential oils doing? They're antimicrobial. Yeah. Right? And then it's super calming. Mm-hmm. It's full of vitamins and minerals and polyphenols and all of these beautiful yeah, things yeah. that are just going to support the body. So when you can look at things that way, it starts to make more sense right. to you. But you have to yeah. have those like tools in your tool belt. And that's what you said earlier about how... How disconnected from like our medicine we are mm-hmm. and I see that also in like the food side of things like how disconnected people <laughs> are to the animals and plants that they're eating on a regular basis like just you ask somebody where eggs come from and they might just tell you the store you know they don't know that it even comes from a chicken or that ducks can even lay eggs you know and it just blows my, my mind kind of in the same way that you're talking about like getting your mind blown by you know people that just aren't even connected with with those types of um, herbs and so I think that the more people can learn and hopefully the more that we can teach people you know our, our separate things like they can get more connected and more personal with the herbs that they're around and with the food that they're around and then just whole health wise they're just gonna get that much better yeah, and it was really funny a funny side story I was like craving ding dongs one week this pregnancy and Steven was like, if I can not, like if I do not see the plant or like the animal when I'm reading the label, then no, you can't have that. He was like, do not get a ding dong. He was like, go read the label. I can't picture the plant that created that food. It's hard. I, you know what I craved? No. You're going to die. McDonald's chicken nugget. <laughs> Brian looked that, at me like, are you serious? And I'm like, chicken? I'm serious. Go me, go through that drive-thru. I got to have these. I took one bite and was like, this is disgusting. Yeah. What am I thinking? It wasn't what I had remembered. Yeah, they've changed that you recipe know? a few times for sure. Yeah, so it, don't, yeah. We are not ourselves. No. no. When you're pregnant, you crave the weirdest things. <laughs> That's true, though. Like, when, when your pregnant wife says, I want this thing, you just say yes. I yes. Think that's the answer. Except yes. for ding dongs. Ding dongs, I had to put my foot down. I don't <laughs> know. I was like, I was like, I can't even think of the plants that could create that thing that like looks more like plastic than food. Yeah, it's creative. I started lab. really thinking about it. I was like, you know, I could probably list out the, the, the plants that like way a long time ago. Uh-huh. Could we could dissect that. this. Yeah. There's a great book I had to study called Twinkie Deconstructed. Oh my gosh. And it's just about deconstructing all of the chemical additives in processed foods and then what they do to the body. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. So, you know, there's, there's our beauty. So I love to teach people how not to look at herbalism as 
I need this for that, right? Mm. Because if we're utilizing all they have to offer in our everyday lives and our everyday food, then we don't get the viruses. We don't mm. get sick like that. You know, yeah, we can still get a common cold. I'm not saying that. Yeah. But not near we're not nearly as susceptible. Right. We're just not because we're eating the nutrients and the medicines every day of our lives. Right. You know? So it's amazing. But everything starts with, you know, mind, body, spirit. You know, is the child happy? Is the child picking up negative energy from home? Are mm. mom and dad stressed? Because that kid's going to feel it. Right. They may not understand it, but they feel that, right? Well, that's, that's not good for a developing immune system. Right. You know, or nervous system. So just really being able to raise children and nurture, nurturing them in every way, mind, body, spirit, yeah. right? But yes, I brought I brought them some of my favorite books. I love um, nourishing traditions. So um, Sally Fallon was one of my instructors at IIN, and she teaches everything just the way things should be. You know, from the ancient ways of eating, you know, everything from eating, which I'm just not going to get down with this. I'm just not going to do it. But, you know, where you can eat fish heads when you need vitamin A, yeah. you know, things like that. You can that. make a soup out of it. And I you don't do. even know you're eating it. I make all my own broths <laughs> and stocks and from everything and wild foods. I'm that girl that will harvest magnolia leaves and um, oak leaves and all of my sassafras leaves mm. and I keep them in jars in my kitchens and they go in all my broths all oh, nice, season nice. long. Well, the nutrient values are amazing. If you ever had a magnolia leaf, they taste gingery. Really? Mm-hmm. I would like that. I've never had a magnolia. I know sassafras because that's like, oh. like you use the root for root beer, correct? Oh, yeah. yeah I never yeah. mess with the roots because I don't want to kill the trees, but yeah. the bark and the leaves are outstanding and just snacking on those leaves right off the trees. Really? Best. Yes, and in the spring, our mulberry leaves, mm-hmm. we give all the glory to the berry because they're amazing. Right. But mulberry leaves for Gideon? Mm. You take mulberry leaves. When I teach plant walks for kids, yeah. we always take mulberry leaves. We take the mulberries and we put like a nut butter. You know, whatever it is. If they can have peanut butter, if they whatever nut butter it is. Right. And we do little roll-ups with it. We'll put little raw honey on there, roll it up, and then your kid just ate the most nutritious green ever. Right. <laughs> you know, and they're, but you've got to do them when it's like springy. Mm-hmm. You know, when those leaves start to get really rough and fibrous later in the summer. Yeah. yeah. I was given, um, like, when we, before we moved, um, I started giving, like, a lot more, um, I'm talking about my rabbits, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a lot more of, like, the forage from trees to the rabbits and so like nutritional wise like i just was trying to give a lot of like willow and a lot of like poplar and just different kind of um like tree branches and stuff like that and mulberry was one that they loved like Mm -hmm. the branches the leaves just every part of it they were all about it oh well they're so good rabbits but yes so just make it you know we we teach our kids how to eat yeah we are the ones you know I get parents who will say, well, my kid just won't eat that. They will only eat the processed foods. And I look straight at them and say, but you're the one buying it. Right. Okay. So you're the one buying it. And I get crazy looks, you know, where I can't tell if they want to hug me or they want to hurt me. (laughs) You know, but there's no, there's, there's, 
I just don't see the point in sugarcoating things, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we in food politics, we are designed to feel overworked, stressed, and convenience should cost and convenience outweighs yeah. everything. Yeah. Well, who pays the price for that? Right. We do. And our kids do. And when I would do grocery tours with people, I'm like, look how much money you saved when you bought more. You had more money to buy the fruits and the vegetables and the real foods when you weren't buying the chips and the crackers and yeah. the sodas and the cookies That's and huge. the boxes of cereals. You know, so when you're not buying all of that, you can afford healthier food. And those kids are going to go for what's in the house. Yeah. You know, they're going to complain about it. Because you have to break the addictions, Mm -hmm. right? So I was blessed enough to be able to go inside a flavoring lab. Okay. So I actually got to see how everything artificial fragrance and artificial flavoring Mm. is designed. And they're 100, it's all 100% built on psychology. Really? All of it. Every bit of it. So you take those brand new developing neurotransmitters... And you start giving them salt and sugar, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think they're going to want? Of course, they don't want broccoli anymore. Right. They don't want those vegetables anymore because there's not enough flavor. So when parents tell me my kids just won't eat this anymore, I already know what happened. Yeah. You know, and it's not a judgment. Right. It's because it's the, the politics of the world we live in when it comes to food. What if they're like 12 years old and they're like really addicted? What do you do then if it's been that long? It's a weaning process. It really is. It's Mm -hmm. a weaning process. And they have to know that they're not punished. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But there is a clean version of everything out there. You know, when Olsen was little and he would go to a birthday party, I would take his own stuff. Hey, what are you guys going to have there? And if it was like pizza or it was always the typical like kid junk food right easy you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. i was the mom who would literally flat out lie because if i didn't lie then i was a snob and i was better than the other moms right so i would lie and say oh my gosh i'm gonna go ahead and bring what you already have because olsen has crazy food sensitivities Mm. so then the moms don't feel bad because it's something they just don't know about yeah right i'm not making them feel bad but then my son's not vomiting because that's what would happen right yeah he came home one day he was in elementary school and i heard brian say don't tell your mom (laughs) and i was like oh my gosh what happened olsen was in vomiting it was puking everywhere the kid was sick for three days and it was bright like orangey yellow and i said what did you eat he's like it was these things called cheetos oh (laughs) he had never had them so just from having cheetos he vomited because his body was not used to that chemical reaction he was like what the heck is this Mm -hmm. but i've never said you can't have that right never when he was young enough, I always provided an alternative because I never wanted him to be the kid that was left out. Right. right. You know, so he had all the M&Ms and the candies and the ice creams and all that stuff. Just the clean version. Right. Always mm-hmm. just the clean version. And now he's a teenager and he can do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. But he still never had fast food. Really? Yeah. Never. He doesn't even want it. That's great. No. Now it's when he came home wanting Oreos. I said, okay. <laughs> I ne- personally never liked him. But I told him, I said, how about I make a deal with you? There's this brand of Oreos called Back to Nature, mm. and those are at least a whole food version. And I said, so how about I get you those, like, once a week? 
and then you don't buy the GMO, like, scary stuff made in a lab. And he's like, deal. So every week, I buy him his Back to Nature Oreos. That's awesome. <laughs> and so these books that you brought us, do they talk about um, some of the recipes and things that you can make for some of those alternatives? Or, like, what are some things in the books? They are all whole food-based. Whole, um, they go over soil nutrition vitamin nutrition what those vitamins do mineral nutrition what those minerals do and what foods to get them from but also what kind of foods so they're very big on um raw dairy which now everybody is waking up to raw dairy yeah you know it says on the label sometimes like do not consume or something oh yeah yeah, you can consume it legally they have to put that um otherwise they would they'd be in trouble for like not pasteurizing Absolutely. just because that's the law right now. oh yeah it's For the now. law if you've ever seen the documentary farmageddon it's great because it goes mm-hmm. through the whole history mm-hmm. i do like that one i didn't feel like that was too one-sided so i liked that one but even when you are doing any type of raw raw milk you still want to know who the farmer is exactly uh-huh. yeah. and are because they it's not being pasteurized and so you want to make sure that the processes that they are going through are like good and safe yep. you know they're not introducing yeah. bacteria into your are milk. they grain finishing yeah. with gmo grains you know you know all of that stuff is it a2 which seems to be better for people you know the casing's better for mm-hmm. people but there's just you still want to know yeah and you probably want to know you also probably want to know the especially if you're going to go down that rabbit hole you might want to know like what your state's laws are on some of that like the verbiage because a lot of times it might say grain grain or not grain sorry grass fed or grass finished and like those are very different things mm-hmm. and they can mean different things in different states and grass fed can mean maybe just within 24 hours of being processed mm-hmm. that animal was given grass only you know and absolutely and guess what's a grass all grains <laughs> um, and all corn so you know they are in the same family and so that can be considered grass depending on the yep. way your state has legislated those things. Oh yeah, so you have to it's know important your farmer. To know. <laughs> know your food, know your farmer. Yeah, absolutely. I know, but no, just um, nourishing traditions. I feel like is just beautiful. Every family should have it. If you have a family, you should have the nourish. This is totally my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but every family should have nourishing traditions because it teaches you um, when to give your baby whole foods. Based on their enzyme production, you know, based on their enzyme, when, when, um, biologically are they going to be able to break down carbohydrates? Right. You know, when we shove rice in bottles because the baby's still hungry, well, your baby's still hungry because it's not getting the nutrients that it needs, not because you need to put carbohydrates in it, when maybe it's amylase hasn't even developed yet to be able to break it down. And then people wonder why their kids are colic, you know, so there's... There's so much there, but those two books give you so much information, and they're all cookbooks. Mm. So they give you not only beautiful recipes of how to make these nourishing foods from whole food nutrition, Mm -hmm. pastured animals, you know, all of that stuff, but the why behind it. Mm. So I just have always used those philosophies. How do we get like the world back to the ancient ways because we just listen to whoever's like around us, like whatever person um, has influence in our lives. We're just like, okay, they say to do this. I'll go try that. How do we eventually get back to like food as medicine and the way that it 
that you're talking about in the South at the beginning of this podcast? How do we get to that? Well, in the world of nutrition, it's there's always the new big thing, right? Mm-hmm. But in that's in supplements, that's in herbs, that's there's always the new health thing, right? So when you're able to look past that, like I'm always, I always peel everything back like it's layers of an onion. Mm-hmm. Okay, why is ashwagandha the big thing right now? Okay, well then, who's this company selling ashwagandha? Mm-hmm. Where did they source it from? Mm-hmm. How did that? Where did this come from? Yeah, you know. So always know who's behind the why. Mm-hmm. I guess with everything, who's trying to promote something? Mm-hmm. I always look at that, but. I always love to look back and study the way the Native Americans did things. Right. You know, and like with Stephen, you know, being a farmer and a gardener and understanding soils and understanding what we've done to our soils. Yeah. For the love of God, when are people going to wake up? Mm. Like, you walk into like a basic, like a Kroger grocery store and you see what the, the vibe in there. Right. You know, just people seem angry, they seem rushed, they seem annoyed, people aren't smiling, and you look in your carts, and you're like, whoa, it's no wonder. You know, what we eat tells every cell in our body what to do. Mm-hmm. It just does. So when we're filling our bodies with that, an information out of a shopping cart full of all things processed foods, <laughs> not even the foods, the pa- the plastics... Don't even get me started on pop something in the microwave. (laughs) Plastic and a microwave, you know, cheap and convenient, you know? So I just don't feel like we're, we are. This is what I love about all the homesteading community. People may not still have the like, the why as to the nutrients and things yet. Right, right. Right? But they're getting there. They have the want. And they're learning, Mm -hmm. you know, follow places, follow someone like Zach Bush, you know, follow someone like the farmer's footprint. Look Mm -hmm. at the why behind, why are they teaching you these things? Is it because they have their own personal interests or they're trying to sell you something? Or are they genuinely trying to make you and the world better? Those are the people that I look up to. Yeah. And those are the people that I want to learn from. And I feel like we learn the most from the people who don't have the name. Right. You know, like these generation farmers that have been farming the way we should be for years. You know, looking at people who aren't out there with their social media and they're trying to like mm-hmm. be seen or known for something because they they already have that quiet they've been doing it for years right. so they're looking at other people like this is nuts <laughs> you know um i was l- listening to a native american farmer yeah and he was in a very loving way laughing at all of us mm-hmm. in, in a loving way yeah. he wasn't making fun of us but right. he was saying you know i find this beautiful and so funny at the same time because everything that man has he was saying like our fathers mm-hmm. already predicted what the white man was going to do to the earth <laughs> already knew yeah so like centuries ago they already knew that the white man was going to destroy the earth mm. with the way we farm in the chemical industries like already knew and now we've got all of us trying to fix it Right. Right. And so he thought that part was beautiful, but at the same time he's laughing because he's like, well, we've been growing like this for years. Right. You know, he was talking about the buzzwords, regenerative and 
all of these things. Could you imagine if like we had enough forethought to use all the ingenuity and all that mind power and all that brain power all over all these years and actually used it to make things better, like purposefully and not just make things more productive. You know, better can be a hard word, but like I think people want to like, oh, maximize productivity. Like how many more corn stalks can I get per square foot? Like I get what you're trying to do and I, I love people for that, but like that's not the way nature works. At what cost? Right. Like what you can do it and, and you can get a lot out of it, but for how long until that whole system crashes because there's no, nothing going back into it naturally, Mm-mm. you know? And that's just, it's terrifying, but like at some point we'll, we're going to have to learn because it's not sustainable. And so eventually we have to figure out what that looks like. No, it's not sustainable at all. I don't, I still haven't quite figured out the, um, the generational farming of these because they they won't let go of it right like they're so protective of it they just won't let go of it and they're some of the sickest people i've ever seen some of the sickest people i've ever seen are your conventional farmers and they just cannot wrap their head around it so no well it's hard i mean a lot of them i mean they're not making a lot of money unfortunately Mm-mm. you know it's like it's it's scary the margins how thin they are on a lot of those farms and how they wouldn't be getting by if it wasn't for all like the government funding of just growing this stuff to grow it basically in a lot of in a lot of cases um and it's they have all this money wrapped up in equipment and all this money wrapped up in the way that they've always done it and so the ones that are getting out of it are the ones that can they're doing well enough to slowly get out of it kind of like you were saying with our bodies you know you can't just go 12 years eating all this crap and then the next day decide i'm gonna be 100 percent all natural you know you have to you can it takes time it's a drug in a lot of ways it's very much a drug yeah. and your body will go through like flu-like symptoms as you start to come yeah down from all of that like but the body that's what's so beautiful it's constantly regenerating you know, it's constantly regenerating yeah. when we just give it what it needs. It's beautiful. That's why I love to see new parents who get it, you know, and they're feeding their these kids these beautiful nutrient-dense foods. And mm-hmm. I didn't let Olson taste anything sweet until he was at least a year old. Because I knew that that, I mean, breast milk's already sweet. Right. But, you know, I like his first foods were like avocados mm-hmm. and you know, he loved his trees, which were broccoli. And, <laughs> his little trees. You know. That's awesome. But, in, like, his first birthday, I made these amazing, like, blueberry, it was like a blueberry muffin cake yeah. type thing. Mm-hmm. And I had, like, honey, raw honey in it. You know, like, mm-hmm. I just, you know, but it was because, it wasn't that I was never going to let him enjoy donuts or ice cream. I, Of course, right. you know, right. that's a part of being a kid. But I wanted him already conditioned for what real food was yeah and i made all of his own food i put all of herbs in his food Mm -hmm. you know all of that i never microwaved anything you know all of that i nursed for a year but i had to supplement so i made my own formula yeah yeah so but you gave him like that baseline the baseline here you know here's what it's all about now you can build off of that and yeah you're gonna go get your oreos eventually you know exactly then you can go do those things yeah but he always he has that foundation though right Mm -hmm. that's huge you know when you have that foundation then to me 
it just I was just that mom that's a pure I'm still a very much a purist and it's like if we can give the body what it needs I don't like artificial you right. know I don't like anything artificial coming in so I just try to really build yeah build that innate I mean do you know what innate immunity is some people do, some people don't. Uh, can you just define it real quick? Yes. So yeah. innate immunity is the immune system that we are born with, mm-hmm. right? So Gideon, got we get them from our mothers, you know? So yeah. you've got that baby little innate immune system that you are helping him to develop, mm. you know, from everything. But we don't do that anymore. You know, right. now everything's artificial. Yeah. And we have to have all these artificial things to create false immunity right mm-hmm. so we're not relying on building an innate immunity we've got to rely on something that isn't even real yeah because innate's not strong enough it's just a band-aid half the time it's just let me deal with the yes the product of the problem mm-hmm. and not actually deal with the source of the problem absolutely yeah. and things that i've seen sometimes it's really hard because it's not my place to say things so i'll, I'll step away right yeah. you know but i'll never forget watching two two issues i watched a kid who had the flu mm-hmm. was very sick and the parents kept saying you need to eat you need to eat you need to eat and they were feeding him like goldfish and things like this and i was thinking for one when your body is fighting a virus your digestion stops right it's not working so they were force feeding this kid goldfish mm. anti-nutrients while this kid was sick and I was like, you know, you know, he's probably just not very hungry. You know, you usually don't feel very good trying because inside I'm dying. Right. But and they were like, well, he needs to eat something. And I just had to walk away because I just didn't understand. And then they're doing like all the Tylenols. And I'm thinking this virus is loving this kid. This virus has every they just gave that virus everything it needed to mm. to get stronger. They were force feeding them junk food yeah. full of glycosate and artificial everything, and they were giving them Tylenol. So they were suppressing yeah. the innate immune system. Mm. When we, if any parent could understand the innate immune system and how you build innate immunity, that is one of the most important things you could ever do, mm. because in our Western world, we don't believe in it. Right. It's not strong. Well, enough. no one teaches it. No, the they're thing. not going to teach it. I, no one's ever, you know, no, yeah, no one's going to teach you those things. <laughs> they don't want you stuff. to know. It takes money out of their money pocket. People that your body can handle it. Absolutely. <laughs> Another one. I had Olson playing at the Y, and he was a toddler, and I saw two older women with a little toddler boy, and they gave him a bright red like juice cup with a honey bun. I'll never forget it. So it was a bright red, some type of juice cap with a honey bun. And in my mind, I was thinking, oh my gosh, that is such unintended child abuse. And I'm totally freaking out. Of course, I would never say anything. It wasn't my kid. I didn't even know these right, people. Right, right. You know, so, but it wasn't 20 minutes before that kid was acting up, throwing fits. It was holy terror. And they're like, we're, you know, then they're getting on the kid. Right. Right. Well, we're just going to go home if you can't behave and blah, 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 blah. I couldn't take it anymore. So... I went over and I said, I'm a holistic health, you know, practitioner and I study chemical additives in food and what they do to children. And can I, are you open to understanding? And these two older women, they were, they sat, they said, oh, please sit down with us. We struggle with him so much and we don't know what to do. And they were, the parents were wanting to put him on ADHD meds. And so I sat with, it was a grandma and an aunt 
And they had no idea that food coloring was petroleum and that it's excitotoxins and so that it excites brain cells and that it causes these crazy moods and the poor kids can't. And they gave them these honey bun. Who eats been, a flipping honey I've bun? I've been known to indulge in a honey bun here or there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you get your, you get your, you honey your, bun. Your, you get your ding dong. Get your ding dong. Get honey bun. And I get my, I've never had a honey bun. I haven't bun. had a honey bun in a long time, but I have yeah. put those in my body before. <laughs> um, <laughs> beautiful thing they both hugged me Aww. and Aww, so they said that they had no idea and they couldn't wait to do more research because this kid struggled with with yeah. with emotional outbursts and he had issues and well i'm glad that you felt like led to just because oh. that had to be so scary to just even walk up to somebody and be like hey don't don't slap me across the face mm-hmm. but let me share something with you because i want to help educate you not because i'm better than you no. and not because you're wrong but maybe you just don't know they didn't know and that's so common and you look at most grandmas and what do grandmas do they 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 love they show kids love through food oh yeah right like what grandma oh, yeah. doesn't do that you know it's so much but just fun. like make them something like my i'll never forget my grandma she was she's like a rough old farm lady like you don't you don't back talk her you mm-hmm. know but she she grew up on a farm and she also grew up very poor and obviously she's older um so a different just a whole different time a lot of these processed foods were just not even around and so when we were at her house like a snack was you might just get a leaf of lettuce and like a slice of tomato Mm -hmm. and if if you're lucky a little bit of salt on top of that tomato and that's your snack you know and not not a honey bun (laughs) (laughs) thank god trust me i would have loved the honey bun (laughs) (laughs) what kid wouldn't but but I think back on those times, and those are good snacks, mm-hmm. you know? And I didn't feel bad. I didn't, like, I wasn't mad about it. I had a good mood afterwards. And so um, I just think back on that and just think, like, I really hope that I can give that to Gideon and give that to our kids and hopefully grandkids one day. <laughs> yeah, eating from our garden directly. Yeah. Yes. So one thing I wanted, we wanted to ask you is um, right now or just in general in your practice, do you... Do you find uh, a common theme that's like a big difficulty? Um, it may be that education piece. It may be something else totally different. But is there something like a theme right now that you're finding that is something that you're kind of battling on a constant basis? Yes. It's the this for that. Everything is I need this for that. Like the medicine mindset. Medicine mindset. Mm. You know, people come in and they Western medicine has failed. Now, th- let me clarify this is chronic health conditions, okay? Right. Not acute, right. okay? But for chronic health conditions, they will come in that Western medicine has failed them, and then functional medicine has bankrupted them, and then they get to me, and they're like, okay, now what herbs do you have to replace these meds or these supplements? They're basically saying, here's what I'm taking. Can you just one for one replace all these things I'm taking Absolutely. with herbs? That's, Which would just be the same thing. That's really the reason why I created the Homesteading Herbalist. Okay. This is why. This was the whole thing. I I would go home from the apothecary and I'd be in my head going, where is this? There's just such a disconnect. Why do we still have such a disconnect? And so I wanted to teach people how to grow their own food yeah. as medicine. Yeah. 
their own herbs as medicine mm-hmm. for so many different reasons. For one, the biggest reason is because it makes them, it's inspiring for them. It makes them feel good about themselves and it takes their focus off of themselves. Does that make sense? Right. You know, when you've got somebody who's struggling with like a debilitating anxiety. Yeah. And then you've got them focused on growing their own medicine and growing their own food. They're not so anxious anymore because Mm -hmm. they're not in their own head thinking about themselves. Right. Right. So that, but I also wanted people to look at herbs and food as medicine and in a different way. Yeah. You know, to where they're not always coming to the herbalist or the nutrition store saying, well, now I need this and I need this. They're going to have a better understanding of what these herbs and foods are because Mm -hmm. they grew them. So then they'll look at sage and look at all the different ways that they can utilize sage in their diet for, do you... Sage is one of the best things you can do for a mucous me- membrane infection. Okay. And yeah. so you can do so much with sage. <laughs> <laughs> so I always create a very balanced formula mm-hmm. for like UTIs, right? Okay. Yeah. So it was, um, so I'll create like beautiful formulas for UTIs, all of these, you know, mucous membrane. I will make a mucous membrane formula mm-hmm. and that's it. Right? It's mucous membrane formula. That's what yeah. I keep it at. And a lady came in and she said, I drank that tea and I had that tincture because I paired them together. Yeah, yeah. And she said, it took away my sinus infection. <laughs> and she got it for a UTI. Yeah, yeah. Right? But and it just I, so happens it works on your whole body. Because the, because herbs don't work that way. They're not yeah. take this for that. You know, they, they work on herbs support and nourish our body systems yeah they're either drying they're cooling they're moistening they're warming so when you take a condition Mm. what is that condition you know you know that ear infection in a kid right that's going to be a heated inflamed condition yeah so you don't want to put anything that's warming and that's going to bring circulation there yeah stuff that's going to like put out the fire you know, sinus infections. You want stuff that is going to be thinning mucus naturally, not right. mucinex. Right. You know, we oh need gosh. mucus. Mucus yeah, is the yeah. bo- that's that is the body's system of helping to fight off those right. pathogens. So the mucus is actually a blessing. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, it's not even mucus. It's swollen mucus membranes. So mm-hmm. we'll get mucus membranes that swell, and people feel like they have they're so congested. And it's not even that they're super congested. They just right. have swollen mucous membranes. Mm. You know, so when you can pair something that does help thin mucus and take down the inf- inflammatory responses in the mucous membranes, there you go. Yeah. Mm. You're actually treating the issue. They never needed the z pack. Yeah. Oh, you can probably hear the dogs in the background. So I just, just so everybody knows, we all have dogs in there. <laughs> With cute little puppies. <laughs> oh my gosh, they're adorable. But yeah, so if you hear a bunch of like scratching or like trying to, I think they're hungry and they're asking us to feed them. But um, <laughs> so yeah, I guess one thing we wanted to ask, and you already mentioned um, these books that you brought us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just was going to ask if you had other 
um, other resources, whether they're digital. What I, I know you could probably like tell me, you could probably like list me off like a hundred, but yeah, some that, some that you reach for like on a regular basis, things that, that are super helpful for you, but also would be um, accessible to just someone getting started. One of my favorites is a book that I always tell people who are wanting to be new into herbalism Mm -hmm. is called um, Wild Remedies. Wild Remedies is wonderful because it's more nutritives. So most of our herbs work because they're nutritives. There are stronger plants that are going to have more of that pharmacological Mm -hmm. aspect, but I don't even, I don't ever teach those. Okay. Because if you don't have that more clinical background, you can hurt yourself. Yeah. But Wild Remedies is amazing you know you're looking at violet leaves yeah and you're looking at plantain and all of these beautiful plants elderflower Mm -hmm. elderberries you know these plants that are very common yeah but also very nutritive and very medicinal but i love that book because she will go into a beautiful description as to why they're medicinal why they're nutritious and she'll give you fun recipes with them oh that's awesome yeah anything with a recipe i'm gonna be into for sure. Uh huh. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So Wild Remedies has been my favorite for beginners. Awesome. That's great. Are there um, any like podcasts or anything um, that you listen to? I love Nourishing Traditions. I love that podcast. Um, as far as herbalism goes, I really like a lot of them. I like Herb Rally. You know, if you're already you have a background in herbs, a lot of the podcasts will make sense but if you don't have a background some of them are very clinical and it won't yeah. make any sense to you yeah mm-hmm. so um once you get the jargon down then it's like a little yeah. easier to understand yeah I've, I re- I've listened to a few and i'm like ooh, that's a lot of like i have to go back yeah. and like i'll have to go back and listen to this one a few times too just to like remember some of the plants that you've mentioned mm-hmm. so i can look them up um but then also like what they're good for and then you know go back and try to find some of those resources as well but yeah, yeah, I, I really appreciate that you're, like, very um, very approachable on this subject. Oh, yeah. I mean, we need, there's so many people, you know, I have such a beautiful connection with plants and food and just very, like, I don't even call it natural living, but trying to bring back those ancient ways and living yeah. my life that way, mm-hmm. you know. So, it people think that it's so time-consuming or that it it's so, you know, this costs too much to live this way. And it's the opposite. Right. You know, yesterday I made three big batches of bone broth. <laughs> it took, you know how much time that took? For my prep time, yeah. 10 minutes. <laughs> and I just got three meals out of this week. Right. Done, prepped, ready to go, made from scratch mm. with weeds that i harvested over the summer (laughs) medicinal herbs from my gardens you know beautiful medicinal mushrooms you know and then that's how we do things and that way you know my schedule's crazy my son's in all kinds of activities and then brian works and i'm all over the place so when you're able to meal prep right and you're meal prepping nutritious like from nature meals Mm -hmm. because we do pretty much Grocery store shopping is not something we really do. We shop at the farmer's market every Saturday. Yeah. And we know our farmers. <laughs> I know how they grow. I know how they treat their animals. And it's just so rewarding. And people smile. Yeah. And they're yeah. happy. And the farmers can't wait to tell you how they do everything. And exactly. <laughs> yeah. They get You You know, like when you're talking to somebody about like a product they're on or or just like food that they're you know been messing with lately, or something they're growing themselves, mm-hmm. and they get excited about it. Like you know, 
that yes. they have a passion for that and a love for that. And that's something like you had mentioned, like when you can share that plant with someone that is going to eventually help them medicinally, but like it's going to help them get their hands in the dirt, you know, and connect with, with the dirt, which is so important mm-hmm. grounding. Um, that's something that Aaron had talked about the last time I was, uh, when we were on, on his podcast, but, um, yeah, just like getting connected to that plant. And then now you have this whole plant that you just harvested. And so you're almost forced to do something more than a this for that. Because yep. you have to find out, okay, yes. what are all of the things that this plant can do for me in my cooking, in my medicine cabinet, you know, just heck, some of these are so pretty, like put it in a flower vase as a centerpiece and then use it in your medicine, mm-hmm. you know? There's so many things that you can use um, these different herbs for and, and different foods for. Um, it's just good for your whole body health. Absolutely. Do you ever help? As far as fruit trees, since that's like your jam. <laughs> yeah. If I were to tell any parent of what fruit tree, if peach trees are my favorite. Okay. Because they're yeah. such an amazing medicine. You know, peach leaves, have you ever eaten them? Mm-mm. Oh, so you bite into it and you're like, oh, why am I eating this? This is so bitter. And then it goes, <laughs> oh, wait, that's a little sweet. Oh, wait. Then it tastes straight up like an almond extract. Really? Oh my gosh, it tastes so good. <laughs> so, so good. But they're a beautiful medicine. A peach mm. leaf tea for a cranky kid because they're cooling. They're okay. cooling yeah. and they're calming. I put them in all my pregnancy blends. Oh. Yep. Peach leaf in all my, like my first trimester yeah. blends with morning sickness. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Peach leaf is amazing. <laughs> and then from the peaches themselves, like I always will cut a little bit of, you know, when I'm taking off the peach, I always keep those pits with a little bit of the flesh on there. Mm-hmm. And I make peach infused vinegars. Okay. So yeah, that yeah. way I have them all year long and I make salad dressings out of them. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Make me hungry. I know. Yeah. I've got a, still yeah. got a little <laughs> bit left from the winter of having my I peach just leaf. love finding out new things like that. Like, I don't know. That's like the first, when I see a plant that I don't know about, like I look it up and almost the first thing I look up is, is this edible, first of all? Mm-hmm. And then like how can I eat it? Like what parts are edible? You know, if it's not edible, is it medicinal? How can I use this thing in my life? And then when you get, when you go down that rabbit hole, if you're like a nerd like me, then you just start seeing it everywhere and you start seeing that plant like, Oh, that's yarrow. Oh, that's plantain. You know, Oh, that's good for, you know, if you eat a bee sting, we're good kind of thing. It's, it's really cool to just, and she, Morgan probably gets annoyed at me because we'll be driving down the road and I'll be like, what kind of tree is that? And she's just like, I, it's a tree. <laughs> <laughs> I try to guess, but it's always, I, I don't know, like red bud or something. It's like, always is red, it red bud. <laughs> but yeah, it just really connects you yeah. to um, not only nature, but just like everything that you're surrounded by. Mm-hmm. And just, just it connects you to other people and it connects you to the ground and it connects you to the animals that live in your area. It's just... I don't know. I think just paying a little more attention to your surroundings. We're all sitting here staring at phones all the time and it's always a screen and we're always inside and it's just, what is that doing to our mental health? You know, what is that doing to our physical health? And I just, I don't know. I I love encouraging people to get out and just go be around nature. Um, just that's where I find a lot of connection with God and that's, yes, where I feel the most like close to him. And so to me, that's like, that's like my favorite. If I can get out and go reconnect in that way and just get away from all the distractions, that's mm-hmm. like, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. 
So we have one more question yeah. for you. Um, I know after the podcast, the listeners may be interested in finding out more about you. So where can people find you and any resources that you're putting out there? Um, well, I own Materia Medica Herbal Blending Bar. I'm a co-owner with my lovely um, business partner, Miss Sarah. And then I we have an Instagram and then we have a Facebook and then I created the Indie Awakening, po- uh, Indie, um, shoot, what's it called? That's Aaron's, that's the podcast that we love. Awakening. But the um, Indie Holistic Living. Yeah, yeah. And Brian and I were talking about that one day. We were talking about how we were so tired of people not knowing how to support local. Right. Right? So, and I said, it's just so sad because I get, like, herbs, right? I get people who come in with a bag full of herbs that they've ordered online, and they're completely contraindicated for them mm. because they just read a tiny description. Yeah. You know, and so we created Indie Holistic Living, and it's a non-drama Facebook page where people do not ask, how can you cure my disease? Because I right. don't like that. Um, but it's all about supporting all things local and helping people who just want to live holistically because mm. we have a community man, yeah, yeah. of amazing amazing people who have so much to offer i think my favorite's been um lately the lady deidre who's built her organic donut business yeah i love you yeah. oh so my cool. god yeah. I shout out that. deidre <laughs> yes you know all through a facebook page so social media doesn't have to be wrong it, or evil it's all in what you use it for your intentions but then I also created a um, an online school that's called um, the Homesteading Herbalist Collective. But it's three season gardening, seed to um, soil, and then to your bellies. <laughs> so how to grow your own nutritious food and how to grow your own medicinal herbs and how to make your own herbal medicines for your own kitchen apothecaries. So that way you... You can do that on your own. Yeah. And like I said, yeah. have that connection. Yeah. And be able to go to your own medicine cabinet that you grew and you created. And we do all kinds of foods. Yeah. You know, we were baking pies with homemade crusts with Emmer pie crust and raw <laughs> butters from my blackberry bushes. Yeah. And, you know, how to make those beautiful base like infused vinegars that are going to be nourishing you know for you all winter long to make your salad dressings out of and you know just how to use these foods for how to herbs should be foods as medicine yeah they should be yeah it shouldn't be separate because your your colon like i call it kitchen spice rack medicine that's more medicinal than you even know yeah Mm -hmm. Man, most of the like, herbs people have, like they wow. don't even know all of the things that that holds. It's no not idea. just a flavor, you know. I think people think of herbs as like, I don't know, like sprinkles, you know, yeah. flavor sprinkles. Flavor. But there's so much in that that can help, and there, that's why people used to cook with those things. It's not just for extra flavoring. No, it's just amazing. And then um, the other thing that I forgot that I was going to tell is poison ivy and poison oak. Kids get that all the time, mm-hmm. and your oak trees are your best friends for that. You know, so taking just a tincture of oak leaves and oak bark and just tincture it, you know, and then that can be just a very basic thing. Now, I add like I'll add mints and clove and other things like that to that. I love. Clove numbs the skin right. so that it doesn't itch. Is it drying right? as well? Uh-huh. Yeah. And then you, I put tea tree in it 
for the antibacterial, and then I put um, mint. And these are essential oils. Okay. And then I put okay. mint in it. And what those do is they help to dry, but they what the primarily what they're doing is they're helping with the itch, and they're helping with the inflammation, mm. and the oak is drying. Because the of tannins? those tannins. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's and so cool because that's usually what the um, like poison ivy or poison oak is growing on. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, guess what? The thing that's going to cause you the problem, <laughs> the medicine, right next to right it. Right next that to it. That happens so often too. It's crazy. So that's just such a basic recipe that I wish every parent can just make. You know, so you tincture it and then you add a couple drops. I usually will just add four drops each of those essential oils to it and you just mist it you spray it you spray it on because the biggest mistake people make is they try to do a jewel weed salve yeah sure you've heard of that jewel weed is phenomenal when it's fresh but when you take it and then you try to make a salve or you try to do something that medicine in it is pretty much non-existent Mm -hmm. so and what do we do it's a weepy skin condition. You're trying to dry it out, not lock moisture in by putting right. a salve on it. Right. So I've, I had to say that because that is something that I deal with every summer. Mm. Absolutely. So, okay. The summer will be here before we know it. I know right now it feels really cold and like far away, but. <laughs> it's okay. I'm not ready. I have too many seeds to start. <laughs> You're like, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> But Karen, we love you, and we're so grateful for you being here and being our first guest ever Yay. on the Growing yeah. Family podcast. So yeah, you're amazing, and we've enjoyed just learning all of this. It's very helpful for us as parents. And yeah, for sure. Just getting into it. So, thank you so much, Karen. We love you, and definitely check her out, everyone. Look up Materi Medica. Look up Indie Holistic Living. Um, I love that page. Mm-hmm. I think you will too. And thank you all for growing with us today.